switched on the audio here. Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen wa salatu wa salam ala abdillahi wa rasulih Nabiyyina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in Are we okay to start? Okay, excellent You guys are ready? Alright, inshallah Okay, alhamdulillah So we've been talking about the seerah of the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam A little bit about his life And we haven't been talking about in a lot of detail, have we? We've not been going into loads of detail, but we've just tried to get a general idea and a general picture about the life of the Prophet ﷺ. What did we speak about in the last class? Which part of his life? No, that was two weeks ago we spoke about when he was born. Yes, Anna? His children we spoke about, we spoke about his wife Khadija and we spoke about Sauda, his wife Sauda and we spoke about a little bit about Aisha radiallahu anha and we said that Aisha radiallahu anha, he married her just before he left in the time he was in Mecca but he didn't live with her until he went to Medina so we had spoken just a little bit about what was the last thing we spoke about last week? The very last thing that we spoke about last week, what was it? Al-Isra wal-Mi'raj Very briefly we spoke about how Allah took the Prophet ﷺ on a special journey and that special journey was from where to where? Where did the journey start? In Mecca to Jerusalem, to the heavens. Subhanalladhi asra bi'abadihi laylam min al-masjid al-haram ila al-masjid al-aqsa ladhi barakna hawlahu linuriyahu min ayatina. Allah took the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam from the masjid al-haram all the way to Bayt al-Maqdis in Jerusalem. And what did he do in Bayt al-Maqdis in Jerusalem? He led all of the prophets in prayer and then he went up to the heavens until he reached Al-Sidratul Muntaha, the last place that a person can go. And that was that Jibreel, he said to him that this is the last place that I'm allowed to go and you can go from here. And then Allah spoke to the Prophet ﷺ directly. And what did Allah tell the Prophet ﷺ to do? Only two people awake today. Everyone else is sleeping, three people. Go on, Rahma. The 50 times prayer. So that's how many times we pray a day, right? 50. Sah? 50 marra. You pray every day. Or just five? Five, huh? Five. Okay, why do we only pray five? Allah told us 50. Why? How come we pray in five? Well, 
But we have to take him as an example. You have to copy everything he does. So if he prayed 50 times, we have to pray 50 times too. Yes, Rayhana. It's kind of a lot. It's kind of a lot. It's kind of a lot. Very good, mashallah. Beautiful. He asked Allah to make it easier. Does Allah want our religion to be easy or does Allah want our religion to be difficult, Yusuf? What do you think? Easy. Does anyone know evidence for that? Something Allah said that He wants our religion to be easy. You can give it from any ayah of the Quran which you know, any hadith. Yes. Very good. I think it's an excellent answer. From uh, like just, just thinking about it, if the religion was hard, people wouldn't want to become Muslim, right? But do we, does anyone know an evidence for something in the Quran, something in the hadith, you, some of the small surahs you know, when Allah says how He wants to make Islam easy for you? Inna ma'al usri yusra. Fa inna ma'al usri yusra. When things are difficult, Allah will make them easy. When things are difficult, Allah will make them easy. Some of the scholars, they said Allah mentioned two easy things. Because the way it's repeated like this, the difficulty is just one. The usr in the ayah, the difficulty is the same difficulty Allah is speaking about. And the yusr is different. So every time one thing is difficult, two things are going to be easy. Allah said, Allah wants to make things easy for you. Allah doesn't want to make things difficult for you. So is there, is there things in Islam? Are there things in Islam that are difficult? What do you think? Are there parts of Islam that are difficult? You think so? Okay. Aisha thinks there are things in Islam that are difficult. Who agrees with her? Okay. Who says there's nothing difficult in Islam? Okay. Very good. Actually, I think both of you are right in different ways. There's nothing in Islam that is a burden. That's, that's too hard for you. You can't do it. Right? Because Allah said, لا يكلف الله نفساً Allah will never put something on you that you can't manage. Allah will never ask you to do something you can't do. Allah will never ask you to do something if you're not able to do it. Is that clear? Allah is never going to ask you to do something you can't do. At the same time, sometimes there are difficult things. Why might there be some difficult things? What might be the reason to, if something is a little bit difficult for you? Or you finding it a little bit hard. Yes, Anas, what do you think? A test for you. Very good. It could be a test for you. But is it too much? Is it too hard? Is it too hard? No, it's not too hard. But you have to, you have to try. We said in the tafsir class uh, on Friday, Do you not want to try and walk over the mountain? Walking over the mountain is a little bit hard, isn't it? It's a little bit hard to walk over a mountain. Yeah? 
So sometimes there can be things that are a little bit difficult, but it's never, there's always a reason for it. And that's what I really wanted to share with you. There's nothing in Islam without a reason for it. Without a reason for it. Everything in Islam has a reason. Everything that Allah told you to do, there's a reason for it. Does it benefit Allah if you pray five times a day? No. No. Nothing benefits Allah. Nothing harms Allah. You can't, you can't harm Allah. Who does it benefit if you pray? Who is it good for? If you pray five times a day, who is it good for? Yes, Rabia. It's good for you. That's what all of Islam is like that. Whatever you do in Islam is good for you. It's what's right for you. And it's what's right towards Allah. Because if Allah gave you everything and Allah created you, doesn't Allah deserve for you to pray to Allah? Isn't that the right thing to do? Yeah, it's the right thing to do. Does Allah need you? Allah doesn't need you. Allah doesn't need you. Allah doesn't need anyone. Do you understand what I mean by need? Allah doesn't need you. Allah does, if you didn't exist, it wouldn't hurt Allah. Right? If you didn't pray, it wouldn't hurt Allah. Because nothing hurts Allah. Allah is too great. Nothing hurts Allah. Nothing harms Allah. So Allah doesn't need you to pray. But it's the right thing for you to do. Does that make sense now? Yeah? yeah? It's the right thing for you to do. And it's good for you. So 50 prayers became five prayers. What did Musa say? Alayhi It's too much. Go back. Go back. It's too much. Five times a day. Five times a day is a lot. So what happened? The Prophet went back and Allah made it once a day? No. No? What happened? Yes, Habibi. He was too shy. He said, that's enough. That's enough. So it became five prayers with the reward of? Ten. Ten? Your Lord is more generous. Allah is more generous. Five rewards, five prayers with the reward of? Fifty. Every prayer is worth ten. You prayed Maghrib now, right? You prayed 10 times Maghrib. Did you see? You prayed Maghrib 10 times. Actually, you only prayed Maghrib once, but you get the reward of 10. If you're going to pray Isha now, you're going to get the reward of 10. 10 Isha. Every prayer, you're going to get the reward of 10. It's like you prayed Isha 10 times. And then when the Prophet came back to Mecca in one night, in one night, he went all the way to the heavens. And if you think about it, you think about how huge the universe is, right? How huge people until now, they can't even make it to the moon. They can't even make it. They're talking about one day we might be able to go to Mars. And the Prophet says, in one night, he went all the way to the seventh heaven. When the people came back, do you think people believed him? Yes, Yusuf. No, the people didn't believe him. The non-Muslims, they didn't believe him at all. They didn't believe that. They believed, they knew he told the truth. They said, we never knew you told a lie. 
but they wanted to make fun of him. So the first thing he did, he started to tell them about the trip to Jerusalem and how it was, and he was describing everything that happened. Who was the person who believed him? The most famous, all the Muslims, but who was the most famous person who believed him? Yes, Rah. Abu Bakr, and that's why Abu Bakr was known as As-Siddiq, the one who truly believes, the true believer. Because he really believed when they said to him, they said, your friend, your companion, Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam, he says that he went to Jerusalem in one night. Then he says from that one night, he went all the way to the heavens and back. Do you believe him? And Abu Bakr said, yes. If that's what he says, then I believe him. So the situation for the Muslims was very, very difficult. But there were some good things that happened. We talked about when Hamza became Muslim. Did we talk about when Umar became Muslim? Umar ibn al-Khattab. So Abu Bakr became Muslim right at the beginning, yeah? Abu Bakr became Muslim right at the very beginning of, of Islam, when the Prophet first became a prophet. Abu Bakr was the first man to become Muslim, right? Who was the first boy to become Muslim? Go on, uh, Rian. No, Rasul Yes, first person. I mean, I mean after the Rasul, when he Sallallahu Who was the first boy? The first little boy in the time of the Prophet Sallallahu We're not talking about. We're not talking about before. We're not talking about when Allah created mankind. I mean, in the in the Prophet's time, Sallallahu In his, the people around him. Who was the first boy to become? Ali bin Abi Talib radiAllahu Who was the first lady who became Muslim? Go on. Khadija radiallahu anha Okay, Khadija, okay Khadija Ali radiallahu anha And from the men Abu Bakr I'll answer that when I put my hand up Abu Bakr radiallahu anha Who is the best person after Abu Bakr? After Abu Bakr, who comes next in the list of the companions? Who is the best? The best of all the companions is Abu Bakr, right? We know that, yeah? Abu Bakr is the best of all of the companions. He is the best one of all of them. Who is the best one after Abu Bakr? Umar. When or what happened with the story of Umar? What happened with the story of Umar? Was Umar friendly towards Islam? In the beginning. He was not friendly He was not friendly towards Islam at all And in fact that they said that He wanted to kill the Prophet ﷺ Or he had in his mind that he was going to Hurt the Prophet ﷺ. And he came to his sister's house And he found something very surprising what do you think he found? He found that they had become Muslim and he found them reading the Quran. So he took it and already Umar's heart it started to go soft, slowly. The Prophet used to make dua. He was making dua for Allah to help the religion with one of the two Umars. And Allah chose for the religion Umar ibn Khattab. 
When Umar came to become Muslim, they thought that he'd come to harm the Prophet But Hamza was there. Hamza said, if he's come to harm him, I'm going to take care of him. But when he came, he came to the Prophet and he told him he wants to become a Muslim and he gave the shahada, Ashhadu an la ilaha illallah wa anna Muhammad Rasulullah. And when Umar became Muslim, what do you think happened to the Muslims? How did things change for them in Mecca when he became Muslim? A little bit more stronger because they said that before that, they didn't used to pray at the Kaaba as a group. Because it was very hard for them, they used to get attacked and they used to get hurt. But when Umar became Muslim, they came out one day with Umar and Hamza. One at the front and one at the back. And they came to the Kaaba and they prayed to Allah at the Kaaba. So Umar, he became a very, very good Muslim and he became the best of all of the Muslims after Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu. But did the situation in Mecca improve enough for the Muslims to stay there? Did it become good enough for Muslims to live there? What do you think, Mu'ad? It wasn't good enough. So I had told you last time that what happened in this situation is that the Muslims started to look for a way out, a way to escape Mecca. The Prophet had been to Ta'if, which is next to Mecca, but he didn't get anything. He didn't get any chance to stay there. The people didn't accept him in Ta'if. And we said that some of the Muslims had gone to which country? They had gone to... No. Go on. Habasha, Habasha, to Abyssinia. And they had gone twice, right? They went, they came back again, and then a bigger number they went. We, we, we told you about this last time. But even then, there was nowhere for the Muslims to go. And I told you, the people used to come to Mecca for the Hajj, right? Every year. One year, when the Prophet ﷺ was around about 52 years old, a large group of people had come from Medina. So before that, what had happened, a small number had come and they had accepted Islam. And the Prophet ﷺ, who did he send back with them? He sent a very famous Sahabi back with them. Mus'ab ibn Umair. He sent Mus'ab ibn Umair as the first ambassador in Islam. The first one to go and he sent him to Medina. With those few people that became Muslim, he sent him to Medina to teach the people about Islam and to invite the people to Islam. And in the end, a large number of people ended up becoming Muslim. In fact, so many people became Muslim. And inshallah, when we do the stories of Sahaba, we do the story of Mus'ab ibn Umair, and you can hear more about it, inshallah. That actually so many people became Muslim that the situation in Medina became that they were ready to accept the Prophet ﷺ to come to Medina. They were willing, there was enough people that they said, yeah, there's enough of us. And the chiefs and the tribesmen and the people in charge that they wanted to welcome the Prophet ﷺ to come to Medina, leave Mecca and come to Medina. 
So is that what the Prophet ﷺ did straight away? When they came and they said to him, come to Medina. He said, okay. And he just left like that. What do you think? But if you give an answer, you have to give an answer why. And your answer why has to include the name of another Prophet. Go on. He waited for permission from Allah. And what's the name of the other Prophet? Yunus. Yunus. So what happened to Yunus? Yunus left before he was told, right? Yunus left the town before Allah gave him permission to leave. Before Allah gave him permission to leave, Yunus left. And then he went on the ship and then the ship was sinking and they threw him overboard and the whale ate him. He was eaten by the fish. So the Prophet didn't leave without permission. He was waiting for permission from Allah. Many other companions were able to go slowly in numbers, you know, a few more and a few more and a few more. But you know, when they went, they had to leave all their families behind. They had to leave their money behind. They had to leave everything for Allah. That's hard, right? Most of us, most of us, I don't say all of us can't imagine because some of us experienced that. There's people who experienced that kind of situation of leaving your family behind and leaving your money behind and leaving your house behind. But not many people go through that kind of difficulty. It's very hard for them. But the Prophet stayed in Medina. He stayed, he stayed in Mecca. He stayed in Mecca waiting for permission from Allah. And finally, when he was 53 years old. So how many years had he been in Mecca? Israel. When did he start becoming a prophet? Yes, Rabi'ah. 40. And he was there until 53. So what does that make? 13. 13. <laughs> it does. 13 years in Mecca. Now I want to ask you, before we talk about Medina, I want to ask you. I want to ask you. What was the teaching like in Makkah? What kind of things was the Prophet ﷺ teaching the people? Now we said that the Salah was very late. The Isra, remember the Isra wal Mi'raj. We said it happened very late. It happened very, very late. 51 years old, approximately. He was. So for that first 11 years, what was he teaching people? Generally, what kind of things was he teaching them about? To be Muslim, I like that. That's a very good answer. To be Muslim. Yes, Yusuf, what do you think? Teaching them, okay, yeah. Teaching them, still there was no hajj. There was no walking around the Kaaba. Not at least, uh, not the way we know now as Muslims. There wasn't a, I mean, people used to go around the Kaaba, but it wasn't like we know now in Islam. The basics. So what are the basics of Islam? What basics was he teaching? Believing in Allah. That's a very good answer about belief in Allah. If you look at the surahs that were revealed in Makkah from the Quran, they're always talking about Allah. Can you give me an example of a surah that was revealed in Makkah? Can anyone give me an example of a surah that was revealed in Makkah? Yes, Rahmah. 
Which part of the, not the whole Quran, some was Medina, some Makkah. Which part was revealed? Give me an example of a surah that was revealed in Makkah. Qul huwa Allahu ahad. All about Allah, who is Allah. Why do you think a person needs that before they need to know how to go to Hajj and how to give zakah and all this different stuff like that? Why do they need to know about Allah first? Yes, Yusuf. It gives them the basics and it makes them strong, makes their heart strong. Because there's a lot of tests. So the Muslims weren't fighting in Makkah. They weren't doing the five daily prayers until the very end. There was no zakah. There was no fast in Ramadan. There was no hajj. Like not, I mean, there was a hajj, but it wasn't the hajj of Islam, the Islamic, the proper hajj that we know now. All the people were learning about Allah. And what does that show you? That you have to get the basics right. You have to learn your basics about Allah, about Islam, about what you believe, stories of the prophets as well, to make the people's hearts strong so that they would be strong enough to be able to leave their houses and to go on this big journey from Makkah to Medina. Does anyone know how far away Makkah is from Medina? Roughly. What do you think? No, it's maybe by plane. It's by plane one hour, maybe. No, it doesn't take 16 years, no. Are you going to give me a, if I said one hour by plane, 16 years, no. yes. A little bit more than two hours. How many times you guys have been there, back and forward, man? No, but by foot or by, I'm talking about by car. If I get it by my car now from Makkah and I drive to Medina, how long is it going to take me? Roughly. Okay, four, four, three to four, four hours, about four hours is going to take. It's around about 400 kilometers, a little bit more than 400 kilometers. What's that in miles? Anybody know? I'm divided by 1.6. <laughs> 200 and something, 200 and about 250, something like that, 200, I don't know. Anyway, it's somewhere around, around that amount. So it's quite far. It's quite far. And it is a long journey. And they say that if you did it in that time of the Prophet ﷺ, it took a long time. And it took weeks. It didn't take like a day or two. It took a long time. And you had to have, you had to have, you know, your things with you. It's not like there's a service station or a hotel on the road. You can stop off and stay in the hotel. Yeah, you have to go by camel. And it's very, very, very difficult. And you imagine you have to put all your things as well. You're leaving for good. You're not going to come back again. So when you're leaving for good, it's not easy to bring everything, right? It's not easy to take everything. So when the Prophet ﷺ, he got permission to go, finally, the non-Muslims, they made a decision. The non-Muslims in Makkah, they made a decision. What did they decide? Go on. To kill the Prophet ﷺ. They said, that's it, finished. We're going to kill him. So they made a plan that they were going to surround his house and they were going to kill him. Which Prophet? Do you know which Prophet that happened to, that that was going to happen to as well? And Allah saved him. There was a Prophet and they all were going to kill him all at the same time. 
so that they couldn't blame one person for it. Go on, Ryan. Okay, Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, no prophet, but I'm saying which other prophet? Prophet, prophet, Nabi. Not Isa. Isa is a good guest, though. You're right about Isa because they tried to kill Isa as well. Salih, Prophet Salih, that they said that they were going to surround his house. They were going to say, We didn't. We didn't see who killed his family. They were going to all hit him at the same time so that they said they didn't blame anybody for it. So they decided to surround the house of the Prophet ﷺ, but they weren't successful. The Prophet ﷺ had escaped from his house by the permission of Allah and he had gone and he had gone outside of Mecca, just outside of Mecca. And who did he decide to take with him on the journey? And who did he leave behind in his bed? That's my question. Who did he decide to take behind, take on his journey with him? And who did he leave behind in his bed? Because he had to leave someone behind, right? He has to leave someone behind so that the people don't know that he left. Go on, Rahman. Who did he take with him? And who did he leave behind, uh, Anas? Who did he leave behind? Ali radiallahu an. So he left Ali behind. So when they all jumped in the morning to get hold of him, who did they get hold of? Ali. They got hold of Ali ibn Abi Talib and he said, I, not him, I'm not him. So they let him go. Then the Prophet had gone out to Mecca and Asma radiallahu anha. Who is Asma? She's Aisha's half-sister, to be exact, yeah? She's, not, she's Aisha's half-sister. So she's Abu Bakr's daughter, but her mom is not the same as Aisha's mom. She's Aisha's half-sister, Asma. Asma, she used to go out and bring food for her father, Abu Bakr, and for the Prophet wasallam. She used to go and bring food for them. But now the non-Muslim, they decide to chase the Prophet We're going to find him, we're going to get hold of him on the road, and we're going to kill him. So the Prophet ﷺ, he took a different path. He didn't take the path to Medina. He went around towards the coast. So they got confused about where he was, but they chased after him. They chased after him, and Abu Bakr and him, they set off towards Medina. And the non-Muslims were chasing them to try and catch them, to try and stop them. Because they know when they reach Medina, the people in Medina are ready for them. They're going to welcome them. The people in Medina, they're going to welcome them. So they chased him out towards, they chased him towards Medina. And many things happen on the road, many, many things happen on the road, but we're just going to mention a few of them. We're going to mention a few of them. One of the things was a lot of things happened when they were chasing them. So one of the things is that there was a man who was chasing the Prophet and every time he got near his riding animal, it would just... It would just go and just fall down. Then he would pull it and he would try to go faster and go and get, it would just go down like that. And there was a time when they caught Abu Bakr. And they said to Abu Bakr, who is this with you? So what did Abu Bakr say? Abu Bakr said something very clever. That he said, it's Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. 
He didn't. What did he say? But he can't tell a lie, right? You can't lie. Islam doesn't let you lie. So what did he say? What do you think, Ryan? Close. Close. It's my guide. He said, he's my guide. He's showing me the way. Okay, who can, we, who can figure it out then? He's my guide who's showing me the way. He's showing me the way. What does he mean, showing me the way? Okay, that's what they thought. They thought like a GPS telling me which way to go. That's what they thought. Wallah, that's exactly what they thought. But what did Abu Bakr mean? He, that's not what he meant. What do you think, Ryan? No, no, that's what they thought. That's the same as what your brother said. That's what they thought. But that's not what he really meant. He's guiding me the way to Jannah. He's guiding me about Islam. He's guiding me to the Sirat al-Mustaqim. But instead they thought he was just the person who was showing him the way. And the famous story of the cave. Definitely you've heard the story of the cave. ثاني اثنين إذهما في الغار إذ يقول لصاحبه لا تحزن إن الله معنا who wants to try and give, you can, if you can remember it, you can tell me and then I, we can see if we've got some things to add. Do you remember? Yeah, and uh, where the beast tried to chase them. Okay. And the ones of the cave were left in the footprints. And he told them we're going to, possibly going to die. And he said, well, Allah is with us. Allah is with us. Allah is with us. And they came to the cave. And some of the scholars said that there was a spider that covered the, the mouth of the cave. Some of them said this, that they couldn't, they could, with the cobwebs, they couldn't see inside. But the main thing is that they didn't get caught. And in the cave, something happened to Abu Bakr. What happened to him? He got stung by a scorpion on his foot. He got stung by a scorpion on his foot. And the Prophet ﷺ was resting his head. And the Prophet ﷺ fell asleep. And at that time, Abu Bakr got stung by a scorpion on his foot. Is that painful, right? It hurts a lot. And did Abu Bakr didn't move. He stayed still because he didn't want to disturb the Prophet So he stayed still until the his tears were running from his eyes and they were dripping on the Prophet And then he realized. And then the Prophet he on it and he wiped over it. And then it went away. The pain went away by the permission of Allah so after all of that, they finally reach towards Medina. We're not going to tell everything because we're just going to give an idea. We just want to get an idea. Later on, we can go into details in other classes in the future, inshallah. We can talk about all of the details. But for now, we just want to get a general idea. So they went and they reached Medina. And generally, how do you think the people of Medina were? How did they feel? What do you think? How was the people of Medina when the Prophet ﷺ came? What do you think, Zohar? You think they were sad or you think they were happy? You think they were happy, huh? What do you think, Yusuf? Happy? What do you think? They were very happy and very excited because many of them had become Muslim. But Medina was a completely different place. Medina was a completely different place. And these people had all left their families. They had left their homes. And they come into a new city. I want you to imagine that you're like this. How will you feel? How would you feel? You've left your city. You've left your house. 
you've left your family, you've been traveling for weeks in the desert, and you've arrived in this place, you don't know anybody there, you don't know anyone. It's all new to you. You don't have a house there, you don't have a hotel to stay in, you don't have a place, you don't have... You are coming with nothing, maybe all your money you left when you escaped from Makkah. So how would those people feel? Yes, Yusuf. Yeah, they were probably sad. They were probably, it was very hard for them. So there needs to be the Prophet had to do something to take care of them. Yes, Rehana. Yeah, people would feel homesick. So what the Prophet did, he made brothers between the people. He made people into brothers. So everyone from Makkah gets paired with a brother from Medina. And that brother has to kind of look after them and take care of them. Everyone gets, like we say, He made brothers between the Muhajireen and the Ansar. The Muhajireen are the people coming from Makkah. And the Ansar, who are the Ansar? People who live in Medina. But what, how did that affect the people in Medina then? If someone comes and someone says to you, okay, he's your brother, now look after him. Does that affect you? What do you think? What do you think? You feel excited, but what does it affect? What's difficult for you? To like look after them and the, like you have to give up your things that you like and you love. And that's why Allah told us about these people. And He said, They gave up what they needed even though they, they, were, they needed it. They gave it up. And that's why one of the best things you can do for someone in Islam is to give up something that's yours to help somebody else. Do you understand what I mean? Give up something that's yours to help someone else. Maybe you have something that's yours and you give it to help somebody else. And that's what they did. And the very first thing the Prophet did, he didn't arrive in Medina. To start with, he arrived in a small place outside of Medina called Quba. And what was the very first thing that he did? What do you think if you move to a new place, what's the first thing you're going to do? What do you think? You've just moved to a new place. What's the first thing you're going to look for? A house. No. Clothes. No. Money, a job. You're going to look for a job, right? What's the first thing you're going to do when you come to a new place? Yes, Yusuf. Um, find food. Find food, okay. You might be surprised. Look for friend. Okay. What do you think? We let the kids. Okay. Someone to show you around. Build a masjid. Okay. The very first thing the Prophet ﷺ did is he looked for a place to build a masjid. What does that tell us about the masjid in Islam? It's very important. The very first thing the Prophet ﷺ did is he built a masjid. What was the first masjid he built? What do you think? No, that's a good... No, what she says is a good idea. Like in Habasha, they might have built a masjid. But I'm talking about the Prophet ﷺ, what, what, the first masjid that he built. 
Masjid Quba. How many of you been to Masjid Quba? You two have been. Have you, any of you been to Medina? You've been to Medina, you've definitely been to Masjid Quba, I'm sure. If you've been to Medina, how has he been to Medina and you haven't? <laughs> oh, you a little, okay. Okay. So Masjid Quba. But he didn't stay in Quba for very long before he went into Medina itself. And in Medina, what was the first thing that he did? Still, still, still. Build a masjid, yeah? So in Medina, the very first thing that he did was to build his masjid, al-masjid al-Nabawi. The masjid of the Prophet, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. If you've been to the masjid of the Prophet, it's huge, right? It's really, really big. Do you think it was big in his time? Do you think he built it like that? With a million people can fit inside or half a million people can fit inside? It was very small. It was very, very small. And do you think it was big, made of marble and stones and pillars and big, you know, like... Do you think there was any AC? Was there carpet? There wasn't any of those things. It was sand on the floor. It was made of very simple... Uh, like the, the fibers and things like that it was made of very very simple materials it wasn't like it is today today it's gone huge but in those days it was very small but it was the center of everything that happened in Medina it was the center and I want to tell you a little bit just give me a minute I want to tell you a little bit about the people who were in Medina so that you guys have an understanding of what the people were like who were in Medina so in Medina, there were really, let's say, three groups of people. Let's say, just to make it simple, let's make it simple, let's say there were three groups of people. Or let's start with two groups and then we'll, go, we'll, we'll break it down. We'll start with two groups. There were the Ansar. You guys listening? There were the Ansar. The Muslims in Medina. The Muslims in Medina. Okay, And the Ansar, they were two tribes One tribe was called Al-Aws And one tribe was called Al-Khazraj Al-Aws or Al-Khazraj, can you remember that? Al-Aws, no, <laughs> Al-Khazraj, okay Just remember there were two, two tribes And then there were a lot of Jews in Medina Yahud there were a lot of Jews in Medina. Why were there a lot of Jews? This is a really interesting question. Why? There were not many, there were, I mean, there weren't any Jews in Mecca. Why were there all of the Jews? Why were they all in Medina? It's a really important question. Why were they in Medina? Okay, I, I think you know part of the story, but we're going ahead. Like you said, like to, they were causing problems for people. They were. They were causing problems for people, but that's a bit ahead of the story. Like, why did they come and live in Medina? It's a very important question. I like it. It's a good answer. It's not quite right. It, it's, a good, it's a good answer. He said it's a rich place. It was a place with a lot of dates. Definitely, it had a lot of dates and farming. It was a place for farming. So what was Mecca a place for? We said in our first Sira lesson, what was Mecca a place for? Mecca was a place for what? What were people doing in Mecca? 
trading, business. Yeah, it was business center for business, trading, buying and selling, buying and selling. What was Medina a place for? Farming. Dates, especially dates. Best dates you can get is Medina dates. Yeah, dates from Medina. So it was a place of mostly farming. But why were the Jews there? Why they settled in that place? It's not like they lived there the whole time. They came there to live for a reason. Who were they waiting for? Sorry? No, not because it was safer. They were waiting for something. Yes, Rahman. They were waiting for a prophet. See, the Jews are a people who, which, who was their prophet originally? Who, who, where did they? I mean, at the end of the day, all the prophets were Muslim, right? We explained all the prophets were Muslim. But who was the prophet that they looked up to, that they had as their prophet, that they were following? Musa. Musa and the prophets who came after Musa. Dawood and Sulaiman and Yusha ibn Nun, so on. So they were following those prophets. So they had some knowledge of Islam, right? Would you say that's true? What do you think? Rabia, what do you think? You don't know what question asked, huh? You think it's true? They had some knowledge about Islam. Because they knew about Musa, they knew about Dawood, they knew about Sulaiman, they knew about many of the prophets. Harun, they knew about Harun. They knew about... They didn't accept Isa, right? Do you guys understand that? They didn't, they didn't accept Isa. They didn't believe in Isa. They didn't believe, they didn't accept him. But they had many prophets they believed in. So they had some knowledge. They knew that there was a prophet that was going to come. And they knew that the prophet was going to come, was going to come to a place which grew dates. So all of the major places that grew dates, they went there. They went to uh, Tabuk. Uh, they went to... Um, they went to Medina, they went to certain places where they, had, they thought maybe this is the place where this prophet is going to come. Where did they, what did they think about that prophet? What, imagine, I'm not, it doesn't matter if you don't know the story, I'm telling you, think about it. What do you think they thought? What did they think that prophet was going to be? What do you think? From them. Right? They thought that Prophet was going to be another Jew like them who was going to come with another part of Judaism, another part of their religion, and was going to basically make them in charge of everybody, right? And they were waiting to be in charge of all of these Arab tribes. They really wanted to be in charge of them. They wanted to be in control of them. They were waiting for it. They were waiting and they used to make fun of them and they used to say to them, like you said, Yusuf, you said to they used to make fun. They used to make fun of them. They used to say, when the Prophet comes, watch what we're going to do to you. Watch what we're going to do to you. And the day the Prophet's going to come, we're going to take care of you people. We're going to be in charge of all of you because the Prophet's going to come from us. They thought the Prophet was going to come from them. How do you imagine they felt when they saw the Prophet came from those Arab tribes. 
he didn't come from them. He wasn't a Jew like them. Their whole world tipped upside down, right? Everything they had planned for just went backwards, upside down. They had planned everything. They used to tell each other, when the Prophet's going to come, we are going to take care of you people. We're going to be in charge of you. We're going to be the ones who are going to run the show because he's going to be one of us. Now imagine the person you've been saying that to, the Prophet comes and he's with them, not with you. So they had a choice to make. Shall we believe and join with those Ansar people, the Ansari people? Shall we go together with them and join with them and be friends with them? And we all be Muslims? Or shall we go on the other side? And they made a sad decision. Most of them, not all of them, some became Muslim, but many of them made the decision. They said that we're going to make the decision, we're not going to believe in him, and we're not going to follow him, and we're going to be his enemy. And they made a lot of trouble for the people in Medina. And some of them made trouble in a very, very dangerous way. What they did is they pretended to be Muslim. They came and they said, today they said, we're Muslim. They came and they said, we're Muslim, just like you. And then at the end of the day, they used to say, we don't believe in Islam anymore. And try to confuse people and make people want to go out from, make people want to go out from Islam. And they used to hide about being not Muslim and try to make problems for people. And some of them became Muslim. There were people among them, there were some who became Muslim. That Allah told us about in the Quran. But generally a lot of them, they decided to become enemies of the Muslims. So Medina was different. I want you to tell me some of the ways Medina was different from Makkah. As many as you can. I want you to guys, I wish Wallah, I'm wishing that we can get the people on YouTube to share, but we don't, because it's a kids class, we don't have a way to make them involved. It doesn't let us take the answers from them or things like that. So I want you guys who are sitting in the masjid, I want you guys to give me some ideas. How was Medina different from Makkah? All the ways you can think that Medina was different from Makkah. Anyway, any way you can think it was different from Makkah. Yes, Anas? Okay, so it was welcoming. Makkah was hostile. You had Makkah people was enemies of you. They were enemies of you. Medina was welcoming. Okay, Rahma, what do you think? Okay, so Makkah was mostly trading and Medina was all about farming. But when the people came from Makkah, what did they bring to Medina? Trade, yeah, they all went to the marketplace and they started buying and selling and they started to try to, they started trading as well. Yeah, so the people in, in Makkah and Medina were different. Generally... Makkah was full of idol worshippers. They used to worship the sun and the trees and the stars. Whereas Medina was Ahlul Kitab. There were Jews there. And there were some people who were idol worshippers as well. But generally, most of the people accepted, Muslim, accepted Islam, became Muslim. And the rest of them, there were the Jews. Jewish tribes that were there. Okay. Yeah, Medina was a place of dates. Medina was a place of dates. That's how they knew the Prophet was going to come there. Okay. 
What about the rules in Medina? What about Islam? How did Islam become different in Medina? It was definitely a difficult journey for them. It was a big journey for them. It was a big journey for them. How did the rules change? How was Islam different? So, they, so isn't it the big difference that the Muslims now, Islam started to have lots more rules, lots more do and don't. Can you tell me some things that happened in Medina that didn't happen in Mecca? Some of the rules. So in Mecca, what did we have? Believing in Allah and praying at the end of the time in Mecca, praying five times a day, right? What things, what new rules happened in Medina? Yes. That was in Mecca. Then they changed to become Muslim. They're not going to go back to worshiping stars again, are they? Yeah, sir. Good. Sorry? A lot of things in the halal and the haram. They were halal and haram in Mecca, but the rules were very small. In Medina, the rules became more. So can you tell me some things that, that, that were different, that were new in Medina? What do you think? Amarana, what do you think? What are you wearing? Hijab. Hijab was new in Medina. They didn't have hijab in Mecca. When they came to Medina, Allah Azza wa revealed the ayat of the hijab. What else was new in Medina that was different? What was haram in Medina that was not haram in Mecca, for example? Later we talk about that with more... Yeah. Okay, yeah, more rules about... That comes under hijab, right? About separating between men and women. What's the most famous thing? What are Muslims not allowed to drink? Alcohol. In Medina. In Medina. Yeah, in Medina. It was revealed you can't drink. How was alcohol made haram? First of all, Allah told them you can't come to the prayer when you are drunk. And then Allah told them they can't drink alcohol at all. And they poured the alcohol on the floor. They just poured it in the sand. Very good. What else came new into Islam? Zakah. Fasting Ramadan. Fasting Ramadan. Hajj. Proper Hajj like the Muslims do, not the Hajj that they used to do in Jahiliyyah. Hmm? Zakah. Most of the rules of Islam, the, the, the details, came in Medina. What about fighting? Did the Muslims used to fight in Mecca when people used to hurt them and, and attack them? Did they used to fight back in Mecca? No. I know you fight back in here. Anyway, you are. No problem. La, did they used to fight back in Mecca? No. no. What did we say about the family of Yasir? What did the Prophet say to them? Be patient, O family of Yasir, you're going to go to Jannah. They didn't fight back. When did they start fighting back? In Medina. Who was in charge in Mecca? Who was 
in charge of the city. Yes, Ryan. No, not in Mecca. If the Rasul was in charge in Mecca, he wouldn't have left. Allah? Allah is in charge of everything. But who, which, per, which people were running Mecca? Mm, kind of. Quraysh. The people who were the enemies of the Prophet, the non-Muslims, they were in control in Mecca. Who was in, who was in charge in Medina? Now you can answer. Allah, no doubt. Who was in charge in Medina? Which person? The Rasul, the Rasul, the Prophet, he was in charge in, he was in charge in Medina. So now the rules of Islam started to become many. And there were many famous battles. All the battles in Islam happened after the Hijrah. And what was, what else did we get from the Hijrah? Something very important we got from the Hijrah. The, when the Prophet came to Medina, what started? I'm not talking about rules, regulations, or zakah, or hajj. Something very important started. The Muslims could fight back. Something else. It's very important for the topic of seerah. The calendar. The Muslim calendar. What's our calendar called? What do we call the calendar? The Hijri calendar. Because it's based on what? What's the years based on? What was year number one? Was year number one the year the Prophet was born, right? Isn't that how the Christian calendar is supposed to be? Year number one is the year that Isa was born and now we're in 20... What are we in? 2020. 2020. Yeah, only 2,020 years after they say that Isa was born, but they're probably well, almost definitely wrong because they don't even know when he was born. You definitely don't get Rotab on the 25th of December, I can tell you that now. You don't get soft dates growing on trees on the 25th of December, so for sure they don't know when he was born. But that's when they say that he was born. So what about our Hijri calendar? Is it based on when the Prophet was born? When he made Hijrah. That's when it's based on the year that he made Hijrah. So now the Hijri year is Hijri year number? Year number one. It was year number? Year number one. And so now, when we, when we were talking about time in Mecca, how were we talking about things? How were we speaking about events? We were talking about how many years? Either we talk about the age of the Prophet, when he was 51, 53, 52, 50. Or we talk about what? What's our, like, how do we measure what year it was? What year was the Prophet Sallallahu born? Yes, Rabia. The year of the elephant. So we don't have even numbers for the years. We just have the year of the elephant and the year of the prophethood and the year when he was 53. And the, we don't have even a proper... We talk usually about Al-Bi'tha, the time when he became a prophet. Two years before he became a prophet, two years after he became a prophet, ten years after he became a prophet. But after Medina, we talk about everything in terms of the Hijrah. So what is the Hijri year and what is the Hijri... Does anyone know what month we're in right now? Hijri month. 
Have you got it in front of you on the calendar? You put your hand up so definitely, you were like, have you got the Hijri? Okay, first of all, what month are we in right now? Sorry? You're looking doubtful. We had a khutbah on it. How can we not know what month we're on right now? Sorry? Go on. Okay, 1442, that's brilliant, fine. 1442, excellent. What month is it? He's looking at the clock, the clock switched off in the background. I'll give you a clue, a very good clue. The month we are in right now Twenty twenty. Twenty twenty's got nothing to do with the hijrah. The hijrah is like your brother said, fourteen forty two. The month we're in right now is the month the Prophet made hijrah in. It's obviously not Ramadan. Okay. Are, we, are you sure it's not Ramadan right now? Are you hundred percent sure it's not Ramadan right now? Rabi' al-awwal Wa in Rabi' al-awwal The Prophet was born on which day? What day was he born on? I didn't say the date We don't know the date We don't know the date exactly I think the strongest date is the 8th But there is difference of opinion What day? He was born on a Monday What day did he leave Makkah? What day did he arrive in Medina? Mm-hmm. On a Monday, okay. The Prophet ﷺ, he arrived in Medina and the Hijri year started. So now everything we talk about in Islam, so how many years ago was it the Prophet ﷺ arrived in Medina? 1,442 years ago. Wow, that's a long time, huh? That's a long time. The Prophet ﷺ arrived in Medina, and as we spoke about, we spoke about how the life in Medina was, was different. I don't want to talk too much about the battles. The battles I want to do next week. <coughs> next week I want to do all about the battles the Muslims did, because they're all different. all the different battles that the, the Muslims did. But I just want to talk a little bit about who do you think joined, before we stop, who do you think joined the Muslims in now? Who started to... Now Medina is the center for Islam now, right? Medina is the center of Islam. So who do you think now got news and came to Medina? What do you think? Do you have an idea, Yusuf? What do you think? Muslims from all around? 
Where were there some Muslims who had left Mecca? Where were they? Abyssinia. Also. Yeah, also they... Uh, half of them, yani, who had come from Abyssinia, they came. And the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam in that first year, he started to live with Aisha radiallahu anha. So now how many wives did the Prophet Sallallahu have? Until now, until this part of the story. First wife was? Don't mix wife and the one who looked after him when he was small and the one he mixed all of them up. His first wife was? Khadija. Who is his first wife? Khadija radiallahu anha. When Khadija died, he married? Sauda, radiallahu anha. Then he married? Aisha, radiallahu anha. But he didn't live with her until after they moved to Medina. Until after they moved to Medina, then they started to live together. The Prophet was with Aisha, radiallahu anha. And Aisha, she learned so much from the Prophet, sallallahu what was Aisha known for? What, how, what, did, what was Aisha known for? Go on. Ask Anas the question. Go on. Teaching. Okay. Good. What was she known for? What do you think? The amount of hadith she narrated. Lots and lots of hadith. What else? She was very clever. She was extremely, extremely clever. And she had a very, very good memory. And so when she lived with the Prophet she learned everything that he used to do and she memorized it. What he used to do, how he used to behave, what he used to say. And then all her life, and she lived for a long time. She lived for a long time after the Prophet She died, she died 15... Four or five, 56, something like that after the Hijrah. So she lived for a long time, radiallahu anha. She lived for a long time. And all that time she was telling what the Prophet said, what he did. And she became one of the big scholars of Islam. The big scholars of Islam who taught people about Islam, transmitted hadith. So somebody you should learn from her example how she used to memorize what the Prophet said. She used to ask him questions. She learned so much from him that she used to teach people about Islam, especially when the Prophet died. She used to teach the people about Islam. One of the other things that was new in Medina that we didn't talk about was the Adhan. Does anyone know the story of the Adhan? How did the Adhan start? Who gives the Adhan here? Who out of you guys give the adhan? Yeah, you give the adhan. I've seen you give the adhan, Yusuf. Yusuf, you give it as well? Sometimes. Not yet. Back home. Okay. So I want to ask a question. You give the adhan. Where did the adhan start from? Hmm. This is a very nice story. The story of the adhan. It's a very nice story. Yes, Rahma. Hmm? No. I keep telling you, Makkah was very simple. Makkah, there was just very, very basics. Yes, Yusuf, go on. Was it 
in Medina. And how did the Adhan come about? So the Muslims, once I sit down, sit down. The Muslims had to decide a way to call the people to the Salah. Is it Adhan time? Okay, it's Adhan time. Huh? Okay, are we good to start again? Alright, so we're talking about the Adhan In the beginning I'm going to tell you a little bit and then you're going to fill in the rest In the beginning of Islam When the people came to Medina They used to guess the prayer time And when the prayer time came close They used to come to the masjid Oh, it must be around Asr Let's all go to the masjid Is it Asr?
we lost the microphone as well. So what about the words of the Adhan? What does it mean? Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar. Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar. What does it mean? Too many people. Go on, Rahma, you do I didn't put your hand up much. Sorry? Allah is one, okay? It's kind of. Allah is the greatest. Allah is greater than everything. Whatever you think of Allah, Allah is greater than that. Allahu Akbar. Allah is greater than that. Just be careful with the keep a little bit. Allah is greater than that. Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar. Ashhadu an la ilaha illallah. What does it mean? Ashhadu an la ilaha illallah. What does it mean, Rayhan? Ashhadu an la ilaha illallah. Kind of. I know it's difficult to translate. I know you know what it means in Arabic. Yes. What does it mean? Ashhadu an la ilaha illallah. What you're saying, you're saying Ashhadu and I'm I'm saying something. What are you saying? No, this is Hayya ala salat. Yes. There's no God that should be worshipped except Allah. So when you pray, you only pray to Allah. When you make dua, you only make dua to Allah. Ashhadu an la ilaha illallah. Ashhadu anna Muhammad Rasulullah. I bear witness that Muhammad is the messenger of Allah. Hayya ala salat. Now this is the bit you said, Riyan. Hayya ala salat. It's when you bring everybody Come and pray. Come and pray. Hayya ala al-falah. What's falah? What's this word mean, falah? Come to... No. I'm guessing. What's falah? How are you going to give the adhan and say hayya ala al-falah if you don't know what falah is? What do you think? Success. Success, huh? Success. No, this is salah, hayya ala al-salah. Hayya ala al-falah, come to success. Qad aflah al-mu'minun. The believers are successful. Okay, come to success. Then Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar. Allah is the greatest, Allah is the greatest. La ilaha illallah. Okay, in the iqqaba we add one word. We say, There's no point looking backwards and waiting for dad to answer the question. Yes? <laughs> huh? Telling everyone salah is going to start. قَدْ قَامَتِ الصَّلَاةِ The salah is going to start. Now stand up, everybody stand up. Everyone make a roll. Very good. Next lesson, inshallah. Next lesson, inshallah. We're going to talk about, we're still going to talk about Sirah. We're going to talk about the battles that the Prophet took part in. Because we can't finish about in one time. We're going to talk about the battles. When we finish Sirah, I'm going to do something though. I'm going to do a quiz. And I'm going to do boys against girls, I think. So we have to finish first the story in Medina and the battles. 
And then all what we've done. Who is your Lord? Who is your Prophet? What is your religion? Before Prophethood, life in Mecca, life in Medina, and the battles the Prophet took part in. We're going to do all of them. And then we're going to do a quiz. And we're going to see who can answer the quiz, who is going to get the answers right. And the people at home can play with their families as well. They can have a, see if the adults can win or if the kids are going to win. We should, do that. we should do adults against the kids, but the adults will not win. <laughs> That's the difference. <laughs> I don't think the adults will win. I'm going to ask difficult questions, though. So you have to remember. Who's got questions? Now, guys, who's got questions before we stop for Salah? Yes. All the girls, they traveled with their family, right? It's a very good question. So Aisha's question was, what happened to the girls? If the boys became brothers, what happened to the girls? Mostly the girls traveled with their family. So they had like their dad with them, they had their brother with them, they had their husband with them. So the girls were mostly with their family. Yes, you saw what's your question? Uh, the Prophet he didn't take one specific person as a to be that per, to, to be that close person, but he stayed with different people. So he stayed at one time with Abu Ayyub and Ansari. Some different people. But he didn't take one person because that then that would be like it couldn't be one person like that. He, he was there for everybody. What, who else had a question? Who else had a question? Yes, Mu'ad. In Hijrah, does any kids go with him? In? Hijrah. Did any children go with who? With the Prophet? Not when he went by himself, because with him. He's, uh, they came with Ali and they came with other people they came with Ali they came with other uh, with other people with Hamza but they didn't come with the Prophet he came him and Abu Bakr but his family they came separate because remember he had to wait for permission from Allah and also for his family it wasn't so hard for them to be able to leave for him it was very hard to leave so they came either with Ali or with other people from the family members. Is that it for today? Yeah. Alright. That's what Allah made easy to mention. Allah knows best. Wa salatu wa salamu ala Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in. Jazakumullah khairan for watching. Please subscribe, share and you can visit Muhammad Tim dot com